Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher, and this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 149, one more to 150. Crazy. Just to remind you real quick, I'm podcasting weekly, and the same information comes out on YouTube, so you can choose whether you like audio or video better, and you can find either of those things on YouTube or through your favorite podcast app if you search for Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom or my name, Chris Bercher. So all that to say uh, is that I hope... You participate in this discourse because I think that will add power uh, to what I'm doing and what we're doing, and then eventually we'll figure out how that fits into the, the larger puzzle of, uh, of this type of thinking uh, and questioning that I think is critical in our world right now. So this today is episode 149, You Don't Need My Permission to Live. So what, what am I talking about here? So this is something that I, uh, this is a point at which I arrive very frequently in my journaling, meditation, therapy sessions, where one of the biggest limiting beliefs, you know, I talked a lot about this in last week's episode, or sort of uh, coping mechanisms that I have is, I feel like, and, and I think many people can relate to this because it has a lot to do with the I'm not good enough or, 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 or lots of other sort of cognitive problems that people suffer with. I feel like I need permission to live my life. Now, that's pretty heavy. And I've mentioned in the past that somewhere when I was like seven or eight years old, and I realized that we had to work, that, uh, that, that a lot of my life, if not most of my life, was going to revolve around earning money in order to live my life. I really had my first sort of... Um, metaphysical crisis as a, as, a, as, a, as a kid around this issue because I, I didn't like it. I was angry that I, I had never been, you know, uh, uh, consulted about this just to realize one day that I'm going to have to adhere to this particular path of life that I had absolutely zero interest in. I didn't really understand existed until this moment. I was, I was mad and upset and, 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 I, and I have been since then. And, and that sort of feeling has driven a lot of my life, a lot of the decisions that I make, and a lot of the reason that I'm doing what I do today. And when I get to this point of recognition that I go, why do I feel like I need permission to live my life? And it's, it comes back to whatever, whatever happened. And I don't know that it was one thing or some traumatic event. Just that coming to understand that I was obligated. This thing that I thought I had been given right? That I actually had made some uh, non-cognizant, unconscious deal with the world that I would do this thing that I did not want to do in order to live the life that I wanted. You know, it, 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 it's, I still can't make sense of it. And it still bothers me. But I think it has to do with learning that my dad worked a job and my mom didn't work a job. And in order to have the things that we had, my dad had to go to job. And he didn't really seem like he liked his job very much. And I, I made the decision, or it was my understanding, that this was not a good thing, that it was, a, it was not an a, 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 a acceptable choice and something that I was not going to like, right? And that money somehow bought life, right, in a fairly direct transactional way. And I had to figure out with the rest of my life what I was going to do about that, how I was going to earn money so that I could live the life I had. And it's so fascinating to me because I must have really liked life 
<laughs> right? Despite the fact that I was probably emotionally neglected and fairly alone for, you know, the first six or seven years of my life. Um, and, and so there might've been some trauma associated with that, but I, I, I found some peace to where I liked this thing. And so it hurt me to think that that wasn't this beautiful, uh, loving, natural thing that I actually had to pay for it. I, I don't know. That's kind of enough about that. But but I keep I, I I continually arrive at the place that I feel like I need permission to do whatever. And a big part of that is because for the last fifteen years or so, I have not been the primary breadwinner. I have been more the primary caregiver. Even when I worked full-time for periods and, and part-time through that period, it's not like I didn't work at all for 15 years, that I still considered my familial obligations to be greater, and thus that affected my capacity to earn and the amount of money that I earned, right? And so I, I have felt like, you know, in as much as working and earning money is a acceptable way to pay for life. Parenting was like second, right? So I guess maybe I doubled down into parenting when I realized that, oh, well, in the absence of money earning work, contributing to the family is probably the other thing that you can do to sort of earn your permission to have your life. Little did I realize that that arrangements required way more effort than the 40 to 50 hours a week that a job required. And I, and I struggled to sort of do that. So even though I am doing this thing, you know, the, uh, the United States does not uh, quantify or measure parental care in GDP, right? So the way that we consider a country's health is measured in the earning dollars of the people in the workforce. Anybody else just doesn't count, right? So even though I, I can make the argument that I know it's important to be a good father and husband, society still doesn't really care because there's no money. And so I really have, and I, and I know other people do this, and that's why I'm sort of talking about this and sort of making it a big deal to, to give you permission to do what you want to do because it's it's critical and and, and really we don't need it <laughs> you know so I know there are people who feel like they maybe and maybe this is some of this is I don't deserve it because I'm not good enough or I'm flawed and there's something wrong with me you know in many ways this podcast is for us people like us especially highly sensitive INFJ empathic people you know we we tend to feel like because we are so misunderstood that we don't have as much value as other people. So I know there are lots of people out there that feel this way. And I am here to say today that, you know, it, it, that isn't how we have to measure it. There are many people who measure success and see my podcasts about, about that and the meaning of life and the true currency of life that value money above all else. But I think for the first time in maybe 5,000 years, we're at a point in human history where a lot of us are questioning that and going, wait a minute, <laughs> for most of human evolution, we didn't have money. <laughs> we didn't really have ownership. So why would we put so much value on that? But anyway, it doesn't matter. All I'm saying is it's wrong. It is wrong, incorrect, erroneous, inaccurate, mathematically untrue <laughs> to equate, to, to think that we don't automatically get life. If there's nothing else upon birth, for those of us who are blessed 
with life. It is free. It is the thing. You know, if we are kind of like uh, conduits for this conscious energy, right? And it temporarily resides in this body that is born and dies. And in that moment, be it seconds or years or a century, right? It is, it is ours, <laughs> if nothing else. And, 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 and having said that, it isn't ours. My life is not mine, right? It is an element of the biosphere, of the universe, of whatever you want to call it. It's everyone's, you know, because we are necessarily connected. These things are all true because of the nature of our DNA. If you look at DNA, DNA is ubiquitous in life, and it creates and it carries the information and the message of life. It, it is the blueprint of life. And though life lives and dies, DNA can be immortal and infinite by facilitating the persistence of life. And that in, it, it, it is it. So if anything, I guess we belong to our DNA. But at the same token, sort of like uh, with the uniqueness imperative, which I think was around episode 100 maybe, um, that we must express our DNA because of the fact that it exists. The fact that those different arrangements of base pairs resulted in an entity, you know, the, the transcription of like metaphysical almost to physical, right? The, the protein synthesis is just amazing where you take this code, this, this simple binary code of letters which are actually, you know, molecules, and translated into the beauty that can be a bat or a dolphin or an oak tree, right? Or an amoeba or a snail or a human being. That's all the permission you need. (laughs) That's all the permission I need. Money gets in the way of all that. It has no place. It has no governing capacity in that scenario of life. And I wish that I could easily disrupt that relationship, but it has become so pervasive and so strong and has been just fueled by so much of our attention and attachment that it, it, it has, I, I have come to erroneously believe that money creates my value. No, no, no. You know, my DNA was, came way before that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, DNA goes back to the first organisms, however long that was, hundreds of millions of years, if not more. Uh, so who, 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 which God are you going to pay homage to and worship, right? And this is all related to my idea that Darwin, natural selection and evolution, really is the trump. It really trumps all else. And we can look at the biological record and sort of the ancestry and history of DNA to help us navigate our lives, more so than ideas and concepts that were created in in this very sophisticated yet poorly managed brain of ours, right? We made some funny choices, but that doesn't mean we have to stick with them. And I and I and it's curious to me because I I, I see the that there's a relationship with the 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 difficulty of changing uh, a system and the weakness um, or the, the weaknesses inherent to that system, right? Money is a, is a bad way of measuring fitness, right? Natural selection and, and the evolutionary record 
show much better, uh, you know, traits that make organisms fit. It isn't how much money you have. Yet, yet we don't seem to be able to change that. Like we, we just throw our hands up in the air as if we need permission to do something about it. And I think that's inherent in the system itself, right? It's almost like it knows it's weak. <laughs> it knows it's very easily overrun. Uh, and so it creates all these different ways uh, of making us believe that it's impossible to change, right? So in, in a way, it finds its own uh, permanence <laughs> through cheating. Um, so all that to say, the fact that the idea that we need permission is just simply not true. We don't, um, it, and <laughs> that this is hard to say, but really it's a cop-out, Right. Saying that we need permission creates an excuse for us to abandon or to quit, right? To not try, right? We can throw up our hands and say, hey, I don't have permission. I don't have to try. And it reminds me of something like a man named Todd Walton said. He was, um, when I owned the brewery, we brought him in for a few months to try to help us fix some problems. We had an infection in the brewery and we'd gotten in over our heads and we needed a little bit of like help to get us to the next, through that stage and to the next level. And he said about, he was talking about an employee that we had, but I felt like he was talking to me. And as part of our, what we needed to solve, it wasn't just a matter of cleaning tanks better or having better graphics on our logo. You know, what he said is that we needed leadership and that in many ways, again, he wasn't talking to me, but what I heard him say was, you're afraid of, of success and you're holding yourself back. And I just thought, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And I even knew then that that probably meant it was something that bothered me and that I needed to pay attention to. And I, But I've never really understood this, and this is sort of what this episode is about, is that being afraid of our own success is a, a way of perpetuating the status quo. It, you know, I've often said you, the true growth, and I'm not the one that said this, comes at the interface of your comfort zone. And if you really want to learn something about yourself, make progress, change your life, uh, become a better person, whatever you want to say, have more experiences. When you feel yourself retreating from your comfort zone, make the decision rather to embrace whatever the change is, right? That's where real change occurs and where real growth occurs. And I think the fear of success is the same as us retreating from discomfort, right? I, 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 the, and it's not the fear of success. It's the fear of failure. So I was afraid of my own success because I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail and I didn't want to find out what success was like. And that my friends is what keeps us stuck. You're literally stuck. You, there's two ways to go, and you decide you can go neither. And, th- and that is this lie that we tell ourselves, right? This is the lie that says we need permission to do something. We don't. But when we realize we don't need permission, we're in that same spot of fear of w- what might happen. You know, the fear of what is happening right now in your life is never as strong as the fear of the unknown. For some reason, I'll talk a lot about this in the next episode. For some reason, we're very afraid of the unknown and we retreat from the unknown. And so this, 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 this need for permission is the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's a crippling uh, roadblock in our lives that we do, we have a choice around, right? Right. It's like 
sabotage. It's self-sabotage. Telling yourself you can't do something that you obviously want to do, or you wouldn't be in this predicament, because you need permission to do it. Well, on the one hand, you could maybe really need permission to do it. Like if you're married and you've made some agreements with your spouse and you say, I want to have sex with this other person. Well, you already made a deal that said you wouldn't do that. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting <laughs> that we use this to be abusive. Uh, but really, it's just that our lives are ours to live. And, and, and if you see that long arc of episodes I did from episode 50 on about the R versus should problem, it's about this very specific thing. It's okay to be who you are in the general context of the golden rule. And you can't harm people intentionally. If that's if harming people and hurting other people's capacity to be who they are is getting in the way of you being, then maybe you have a problem, right? But not feeling like you need permission or that you need to implement some societal strategies that you disagree with in your life is, is just, is just silly. And, in as much as we are here, that's all that needs to happen to give us permission to live. We have, for whatever reason, come into this life. That is your permission. You know, it's almost, and I said this in the, in the uniqueness imperative, it's almost as if DNA compels you, your ancestors, your metaphysical, your... Uh, um, um, molecular ancestors, as well as your physical, biological ancestors, compel you through your very existence in this moment to live the life that was encoded by those past entities, right? Who you are, what you are, is a result of millions of years of evolution, both on the molecular level in your DNA, in our DNA, and in your... The, 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 the biological expression of yourself. Those two things are the direct result of millions of years of our past. And part of the emergent property of natural selection is that it is a good thing for you to exist. <laughs> Fitness has decided, however you want to look at it, that you will live. Any abuse or denial of that life would not agree with that. It would not be selected for, right? It doesn't make any sense that you need permission to express the DNA that your ancestors in the molecular evolution have produced, right? Who are we to argue with those forces, the forces of evolution and natural selection that have manifested our presence in this earth at this given time, what? We know more than that. This is the exact thing I'm talking about. Humans, the, the evolution of the human mind happened so fast that we thought we were better than all of that. We thought, we thought we're it. We're the most advanced thing to ever exist. We got into this trouble as we began to solve these massive problems of, of health and disease and sanitation and, and, and power and air conditioning and iPhones. We're so great. Let's just forget about all the other stuff and then focus on how great we are. And if anything needs to come, nope, there could be no possible better source of information or decision-making than my brain, than me, right? Oh, man, I, I, I can't. Uh, I, hope, I hope you can see how that 
those thoughts are dripping <laughs> with error and, and, and misappropriated belief, right? We got too big for our britches. And that's the only reason we would ever entertain the idea or forget of, of, of what, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but the miracle of life, right? The fact that you are alive is all the permission you need to express the person that you are. And it's our job to get as close to that to understanding what I am, what yourself is, it's our job and responsibility as a, uh, as a thank you for the life that we've been lucky enough to have, right? We, it's, the, it's, the, it's our only job. It's our MO is to do that. Really, this is the uniqueness imperative. Uh, I'll, I'll revisit it. You don't need permission to live because you're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, that deal was made long before we had anything to do with it. And thinking anything else is conceited and arrogant, and it puts the human being in the wrong context. It removes us from the connectivity of the biosphere. And is a you know, honestly, probably a massive part of the cause of all of human suffering. That and I'm not the only one. I'm certainly not the first one to say this. And I heard it from somebody else. You know, the, the disconnection from the biosphere is, is, is what, where we went wrong. You know, that's wrong. We are not disconnected. This is all just really the next logical expression of that very connection and, and why <laughs> we don't need permission to be the people that we are. Okay, so go live your life. <laughs> be kind. That's it. So for those of you who needed to hear it, I needed to hear it. This episode is more, as much for myself as it is for anybody else. Uh, but you have, you, you have permission to live your life. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, episode 149. You don't need my permission to live. I'm Chris Bircher. Take it easy. <laughs>